welcome. This is an awesome podcast. This yeah. is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> to the Jeff. It's a lot of whiskey, Jeff. Macalino. Jeff Macalino. 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 Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I've got a tremendous one for you today. It is with myself and Ralph Sutton. Uh, sometimes you get a guest on your podcast and you think, why did he agree to come on my show? Uh, and this is one of <laughs> Ralph Sutton. If you don't know, he is a he, he hosts the SDR show, which is sex, drugs and rock and roll with a comedian. I'm a fan of Big J Okerson. Uh, in 2016, he founded the Gas Digital Network, uh, which has, I forget, over 20 shows, millions and millions of listeners. Uh, that's the network where Legion of Skanks is on, part of the problem with Dave Smith, uh, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, so was super excited to have uh, Ralph join me, and uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. Um we, we talk about how he got into things. We talk about uh, his uh, drugs that if you listen to the SDR show, you know he does one time a year. We talk about his experience with that. Uh, then we, we talk about Marvel for a little bit. Uh, and we talk about, um, we get political. And if you're here as a Jeff McAlino podcast listener, you might be angered by a few of the things he says. And if you're here as a Ralph Sutton fan, you might be angered by a few things uh, I say. Um, but in general, this was a great, I had a great time talking with him. He's a, a funny guy, a very intelligent guy and, uh, has a, just is hugely successful in this industry. So was, was really, uh, great to talk to him, uh, before I quickly hit my sponsors, I do want to add my ratings have skyrocketed even before this episode came out. I don't know why I'm a little confused and nervous as to what what made them do that. Um, but things are uh, going very well as far as the listeners go. And I appreciate all of you so very, very much. Um, don't hesitate to share it with a friend. I've got such a versatile group of guests on this show. Um, I'm recording this after I talked to someone who is uh, an extremely religious person. And we talked about uh, things like chemtrails. Um so that should give you an idea of the diversity of guests that we have if you are joining me for the first time. There's something for everyone. Uh, speaking some about something for everyone, see that natural segue while well, my phone bleeped into my microphone? Uh, Ibotta. Ibotta is a cashback shopping app. Easy for me to say. I've been drinking. That makes every purchase rewarding. When shoppers start with Ibotta, they can earn cash back on hundreds of brands and retailers, both in store and online. You can earn cash back at places like Walmart, Kroger, Publix, liquor stores, wherever uh, you want to shop. Target is on their list here in the script, too. So uh, download that app. Use the link in the show notes beneath me, uh, please, so that they know that I sent you. Um, and this podcast is also sponsored by our good friends, not our friends, our friends at Flaviar, uh, Flaviar, uh, that is this 
is a club you'll be telling all your friends about. You can taste exciting craft and premium spirits, access exclusive drinks, and learn the way of a true whiskey aficionado. All of a sudden, you'll find yourself with a personal home bar from the best of bourbon, scotch, rum, gin, or tequila, and heaps of stories to tell. Use the link in the show notes so they know I sent you and so that you get the discount uh, by, uh, you know, me sending you there. All right. That'll do it. Uh, I hope you all enjoy the episode. Here is me with the excellent Ralph Sutton. Everyone, I am super pleased to welcome Ralph Sutton to the Jeff Macalino podcast. How are you uh, this afternoon, Ralph? I'm good, sir. How much time did you spend on thinking of the name of your podcast? You went just straight, that's my name, I'll add the word podcast to it. Is that what happened? You know what's really sad? I spent months. <laughs> oh, that makes and it so much worse, dude. That makes it's it so worse. much worse. It was on the birth certificate the whole yeah. time. I just yeah. had to take the REY off the... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, I, I spent so much time, people are like, you got to come up with a clever name, this, that, the other. And I'm just like, fuck you guys. I'm just, I'm just if your middle name, them. if your middle name started with an A, which I don't know what you have, then you could say the Jeff A. Macalino show, and it could have been jams. And that would have been like a cool little branding thing. Well, I should change my middle name. Yeah. Well, <laughs> When I need to rebrand, that's what I'll do. Yeah, I'll change exactly. middle name to Anthony and, and the jam, yeah, yeah. The jams. Yeah, then, then you're in. Then you're in. <laughs> Just a little name change. No one needs. <laughs> or if it starts with a U, stick with podcasts. It'd be Jump. That would be cool also. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my middle name is Ulysses. Uh, there, so... <laughs> there you go. Look at that. It's very serendipitous. Unfortunately, it's another J, so it's just oh. a G. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Eh? Oh, well. No, no, too many J's in, in, in uh, sequential order there. <laughs> uh, Ralph, uh, you not only host a tremendous podcast, the SDR, uh, uh, which stands for what? Uh, saintly Discussion of Religion, right? Yeah, super, super <laughs> declarative rejects i don't know yes sex, drugs, and rock and roll. <laughs> which by the way i one thing i thought literally minutes ago was i'm like god damn i'm so jealous he's got such a great name for his podcast well you know it's funny is that that was the idea like when we started so the show's been on the air about eight years and um i came from radio and so it started at the time which is so funny because now they say i think there's 10 million podcasts i think that they say right but God knows how many of them get abandoned after five episodes. But at right. the time, I remember hearing the fact that there was 100,000 podcasts. I was like, holy shit. So what kind of name can I have where it doesn't matter who you are? You see that, you're like, oh, I'm going to at least check that out. You know, so I had when years ago, I came from radio. I was asked to host a morning show. And that was the name of the morning show it was going to be Sex, Drugs and Rock and Roll. And the idea was. I mean, I was 30 at the time, so I had more energy and I was going to go out at night and party. And then whoever was still with me at five o'clock in the morning was going to come do a radio show with me. And we were going to talk about what happened that night. That was the idea of the show. Mm. Um, there wasn't enough money involved for me to you know, destroy my life for a few years. So I gave up on it. But I had the SDRshow.com. I had the Twitter handle and I had the imaging ready to go. So then five years later, 10 years later, when we decided to do a podcast, um, Jay said to me, what are you going to call it? What are we going to call it? And I just sent him the logo and he's like, all right, we're in, let's do it. That's how we started. Yeah. The, um, 
I, 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 I remember one thing, the months it took me to name my podcast, uh, mm-hmm. the, the biggest critique that stuck with me was they're like, you didn't mention alcohol at all in the title. You didn't reference it. And here I am. This is my second drink. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, Congratulations. Well, I recorded a podcast at 1030, so I had to start. <laughs> you know, it's funny. So we get a lot of shit because, look, we bring on a ton of porn stars. So we got the sex handles. We bring on a ton of rock stars. So we got the rock handles. I'm a puss who barely drinks and doesn't do any drugs. Jay smokes weed. But people would be saying, well, where's the drugs? First of all, it's just the name. It's part of the zeitgeist of humanity, the term sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But okay, so as a joke, I said, all right, well, if we ever hit a million listeners, I'll try a drug on the air, blah, blah, blah. And then that led to now that we did that, I now do once a year, I try a drug on the show. And I've never done anything, but once a year, so I've tried five drugs just because the last two years, um, you know, the first year we didn't hit that many listeners. And then the last two years, there was COVID. So I was going to do it by myself in my house. That would be weird. But um, <laughs> the next drug, now we got to do something probably before the end of this year. But I did five different drugs five years in a row, one time only, live on the show. That's tremendous. And I had heard, I believe, tell me if I'm wrong, of course, the first and maybe only time you've done cocaine was live on, on the, the show. show. Yeah, <laughs> off, of a, off of a porn star's ass. Just so I could that's say. That's the way to do it. Like I say, that's the only time I did it was it was off of a, a Ryan Keeley's ass. That's why it's the one and only time I did it because uh, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm just a puss. I, I get drunk from one drink. That's what happens. I get drunk from one drink. I'm a puss. Mm. Nothing I could, nothing I could do about it. I, you know, you say that, but you ask a hardcore alcoholic like myself and I'm super jealous. Yeah, of, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is bigger than my normal glass but that's a lot of whiskey for a second drink at noon and and i won't right. be drunk until at least 1 30. So- yeah i'm a cheap date i'm a really cheap date so to all the ladies listening if you want to not spend a lot of money taking me out to dinner one beer and i'm already tipsy so you could already have your way with me <laughs> um to to jump back i i so you had a long uh successful career in radio uh what uh was it just reading the tea leaves or what kind of made you decide, Hey, I'm going to go the podcast route. So, you know, the show started in Jersey and within a year or two, we, we started to get on a few more stations. We got syndicated and in its height, we hit about a hundred stations around uh, the country. And um, what happened was there was this concert venue that I used to host called the M3 rock Fest in, in a Baltimore, Maryland. And, I remember so clearly, like the first time I hosted it, it was hosted, you know, most of these big festivals, if you've ever been to a big concert, that's like a weekend thing. The big local rock station hosts the show because they sell the most tickets. And then we were second. So we were on that station, whatever station it was. But so in the back backyard, sorry, in the backstage area, they have a thing that's for better or worse, it's called Radio Row, where like the eight or 10 different magazines, newspapers, radio stations are all there. So when the bands come off stage, they do the interviews down the road to interview whoever just came off stage, right? Obviously, if you're eighth or ninth in line, you're probably not going to get a lot of the bands because they don't want to go do 10 interviews in a row. But if you're first or second, you're probably going to get everyone as they come off stage, right? That is what it is. So the first and second year we were there, it was the local station and then my show, The Tour Bus. 
And then, you know, something else, something else, something else. And then over the course of the years, they did it for five years. The third year, it was uh, the local station, some YouTube dude, Sirius XM, and then me. And then it was the next time, the YouTube dude, Sirius XM, some website, some podcast, and then me. I'm like, all right, well, I think the universe is starting to tell me nobody gives a crap about radio anymore. So I need to start pivoting to something else. And that's really, it was a real world understanding of, oh, I should probably be pivoting out of radio. Yeah, well, and obviously a wise choice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel bad for my friends that are still in radio. Like they, they're, they're still trying to make it like it matters. And I mean, come on, dude. You know, even though what's interesting about radio is it is the most owned appliance in the, in the country. Everyone owns at least one radio. But the, the problem is radio tried to go national. They tried to be all things to all people. If radio rebranded themselves as live and local, which you can't get in Sirius XM, you can't get in a podcast, really, a live and local show, they might survive, but they don't want to do that. No, that's, uh, that's uh, yeah, hey, it makes you wonder what the business people are thinking. Yeah, I don't know. What, I don't get it. And also the songs that, like, my show shouldn't have existed because, like, what you play in Jersey isn't necessarily going to work in Iowa or Hawaii. Right. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. And if it was some dude that I see at the local bar that goes to the same shows I go to and he's telling me what to check out, where to eat, what to do, I would listen to that dude. But that doesn't exist. It's so weird that it doesn't exist. No, and it, it doesn't make sense with the podcast model that radio still tries to force that kind of national thing. It's like, you know, if you record this and put this on uh, Spotify or the internet to somewhere where people could listen to it at their leisure. Yeah. It makes no sense. <laughs> I remember when uh, there was some stupid, and I'm sorry to go so inside baseball radio stuff, but there was a format called the Jack short lived format. And the concept was anything could be played. And they would, the, the, their tagline is it's like listening to your iPod is when iPods existed. Right. <laughs> and, uh, my initial reaction is like, no, it's like listening to your iPod. You don't know what's on my iPod. Like, that makes no sense. It's such a myopic way of thinking that your everyone's have the same music on their iPod. It made no sense. And it only lasted like two years. They spent millions of dollars. And it's one of the biggest failed radio formats of all time because they, they panically tried to counter-program to iPods. Yeah, that's... Uh, it's... I, I kind of wonder how radio stations are still in business frankly yeah, i don't get it I, I, I honestly it's people over 50 you know that's what it is that people that don't want to turn on their don't want to know what a podcast is don't want to know what youtube is and it's just it's people over 50 that's what it is yeah well i say that but in my uh 2010 chrysler 300 my uh, aux cable is broken so i listen yeah. to the radio when i drive <laughs> or that by the way which i say the the interesting thing is that the major difference and i've said this a thousand times but is that a radio listener is a passive listener a mm -hmm. podcast listener is an active listener the difference being it's on in the background radio. You walk into a store, it's in the elevator, it's in your cab, it's on, you're listening. A podcast, you opened up the podcast app, you typed in the name of that person or that show, and you push play. You are fucking engaged with that show. And that's why the ROI on podcasting is so high, because people are super actively listening to that podcast. Yeah. No, I've I've actually I've actually considered trying to pay Uber drivers to play my podcast 
That's a funny idea. Not a bad idea. Yeah. It's it's not a terrible idea. I just would have no way of knowing that they actually do it. Yeah, you know, it happened to me once, by the way, in my life, where I got into a pod and uh, got into a podcast. I got into a cab or a, a, an Uber in L.A. and the dude actually had my show on, but didn't know <laughs> it was me. And that was a, I thought it was a joke. I thought he was fucking with me, you know. And then I said, "No, dude, that's me." He's like, "Oh shit!" Like he didn't even know that. Only happened <laughs> once, but that was pretty cool. Yeah, the um, yeah, that would be uh, that would be interesting. And I would think the same thing. This person's yeah. just fucking with me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when did you uh, timeline wise? Uh, you also founded Gas Digital, which mm-hmm. is um. Uh, funny side note, more of a shout out to my buddy Garrett. I'm like, hey, because this guy. So every time uh, I'd go over to his girlfriend's house, he would mm-hmm. be like, hey, let me show you this Legion of Skanks thing on YouTube. Uh-huh. And I'm like, hey, do you listen to any shows on gas station? <laughs> you know, knowing his answer. And uh, he immediately, by the way, I'm like, yeah, you know who the founder is? He's like, Ralph fucking Sutton. I'm like, <laughs> All right. I guess you do. (laughs) Well, what happened was, so go, I did my podcast for about two years and I'd say, I don't remember exactly. I'm talking guesstimate numbers now. Let's say I had 5,000 people listening a week, whatever it was, right? In the podcast world back then, even more so than now, now you could kind of make some money with 5,000 listeners. Back then, if you didn't have at least 25,000 listeners, nobody wanted to even talk to you. Like it was like, the, the big company was Midroll, which since got bought out, but on their website to get advertising, it said minimum 25,000 listeners. So don't even bother contacting us for better or for worse. I was selling ads because I was doing my radio show at the same time I was doing my podcast. So I was selling as added value. Hey, for an extra 10%, we'll put you on the podcast or something like that. Mm-hmm. So to make some money, it was beer money for me and Jay, right? Um, but then I was talking with uh, Lewis, who was one of the, it was my, uh, partner as well as one of the legion one third of legion of skanks and we thought you know i said i have a radio show that has a half a million listeners but it's from 70 80 90 little stations you put them all together i have a half a million listeners that i can make a living off of Mm -hmm. let's get four or five like-kind shows i already i'm in my second bedroom right now which i have as a little studio it was more set up for actual studio before we built the gas studios. So we already had the equipment. We already had the ability to do everything. I said, let's just start doing a network here and we could start selling it together. And at the time, I think we collectively had, we broke that barrier of like 25,000 listeners with the four shows that we had together. So we could start selling as, and that was the idea. And when we were coming up with names, we didn't spend the uh, seven years that you did to come up with the (laughs) Jeff McAlino show. We uh, just said, well, Gomez and Sutton, first my first dumb idea was let's call it Lars Lewis and Ralph Studios, which is just a stupid idea. <laughs> and then we said, wait a minute, we're not gas Gomez and Sutton, which was actually Lewis's idea. But I was like, oh, yeah, but well, then we could do like high octane entertainment, fuel up with this and blah, blah, blah. So that all came from that. And we started with four shows in my apartment. And then about eight to 10 months later, we had a, you know, that, that when it was four shows, three were on a Monday my show was on a Wednesday. So one shitty day a week, there were people in my house. I'm like, I could put up with that. But you go eight, nine months later, there was 10 shows every day. Someone was in my house more than one. And I was on a date. I came home. They were all supposed to be gone by nine. I came home at 1030 at night with some chick on a first date. And we walked into a room full of 10 guys. She thought, (laughs) 
she was getting about to get gang raped, right? For sure. And I'm like, what the fuck are you guys doing here? And they, oh, we decided to do an extra episode. Like, you don't just decide that in my house. I mean, like, so I texted Lewis and said, if we don't get this out of my house soon, I'm going to, mur- I'm going to murder somebody. So then we started looking for studio space. We found a studio space four blocks from my house. And we took one of these three storefronts and we've since expanded, uh, took a second one. And then this past April, we took the third one. And now we're combining all three. We're almost done with the uh, build out for all three uh, studio space. So we'll have three studio spaces, uh, you know, lounge space, a kitchen, enough for about 15 staff to be in or 20 staff being comfortably. Because now it was, it was getting to the point where they were, I come to work sometimes and there were just nowhere for me to sit. Because all the mm. staff was there. I'm like, ah, I guess I'm going to go home and work from my house. But now we have enough room for me and Lewis to actually have a little office space now, which there was no room for that up until we took this middle space and combined all three spaces. That's your long-winded answer, my friend. No, it's a, a great answer. And it's, uh, I love it because, you know, that's, frankly, that's, uh, as, as an independent podcaster, that's, one of those things where, uh, you know, I've, I've talked to other people are like, ah, you've got this many, I've got this many. When we do an episode together, we get kind of like, you know, 75% of both. Yeah. If we, I'm like, yeah, well, figure out a way I'll, I'll, I'll join. <laughs> right, well, so, and it's also, by the way, again, I feel like we're getting very inside baseball. So I apologize to your listeners, but there's different ways to look at a network, right? Some, I don't know how old you are, but you look like you're in your thirties. Am I right? Are you in your thirties? 35. Okay. So when I was younger and the internet first started, there was this stuff called web rings and it really was just an affiliation. I have a star Trek fan website. You have a star Trek fan website. There was a banner on the bottom of the page. Hey, like star Trek, check out these other star Trek pages. Right. And that, excuse me, really was just an affiliation. Most networks, I would say that's what they are. They're just like, hey, we're all like kind, we're all sports guys, we're all uh, whatever guys. So we are a network. But the next level would be that they take, they do maybe the ad sales for you. Or maybe they help you with your social media. Maybe they pay for your hosting. Maybe they do things to make it more than just saying, hey, we're kind of related to each other. And then the third one, which is what we are, is we are actually, we give you a studio, we give you an engineer, we'll sell your ads, we'll sell your t-shirts. We, we do everything so that your job is to just show up and be you. The less we, the, the less you do to worry about, we just want you to be a, a host and enjoy being a host. And we have meetings every Monday with our producers to treat your host like a fucking rock star. I mean, they should come in and feel like, oh, good. You know, look who's here, everybody. Hooray. And uh, <laughs> they should be thrilled to be there. And if they're not, you're not doing your job right. It, it it sounds like gas. Uh, it, it, that's the uh, the pinnacle of podcast hosting. <laughs> well, it's, it, you try. The difference is that also it's a lot more expensive to do it this way, right? You know, because right. you're you're providing them everything, so your our profit margin is much lower than the guy that just says, "Hey, we'll sell your ads," and now you're part of our network. They're not paying anything, you know. So right. we are, are. It's it's a gamble to find that that happy medium. I, I would say that I could argue. The, the ad sales only model is a far more profitable model, but it's less, we feel like, like, I feel like we have a real community. I took, we took 20 people to Jamaica for a staff party in January. Like we had to go, mm. took them for a week and we took over three villas and made it the gas digital employee week at, and we paid for everything, you know? So we try to do things to make them feel like they're part of something. 
as opposed to just having an affiliation. Uh, we were on a, 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 and this is no dig to them because they're a great company, but we were with, um, is it Stand Up? No, I forget the name of the company now. God damn it. There's another, whatever the network was. We were on another network originally. Can't think of the name. But um, all we did was once in a while, we'd get a check for a few dollars a month. That was like, hey, we sold a couple of ads. Here you go. And I would never hear from them any other way. That was it. That was my connection to them. And we had their logo on our website. That was it. That to me was like, well, this is not really, I don't feel like we're really getting any value from this. And that's why we kind of started doing this. Lewis's shows were on a couple. He had two shows. One was on one network. One was on another. I had my radio show and my podcast was on another network. So we saw what we liked and didn't like from all those different sources and kind of piecemealed together our network from what we didn't want to duplicate and what we thought we could do better. No, and uh, I mean, again, from a from a podcast fan perspective, it certainly seems that uh, it, it's worked out well. How how did you? Uh, uh, and I assume my listeners probably know this, but Jay, who who is your co-host, Big Jay Okerson and uh, Louis Gomez. Uh, how did you meet those two guys? I, Presumably so, not at the same time, but no, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was doing my radio show. Uh, I guess this is honestly 14, maybe, maybe 20 years ago, 18, 20 years ago. And um, my co-host left. He got hired to do a morning show somewhere. And he was uh, basically like two weeks. Notice, I, I, like, I got to take this job. It's good money. I got to go. And I didn't want to let my syndicated radio show is called the tour bus. I didn't want it to go just because he got a job. So I figured I'm going to do a summer of co-hosts where I just bring in different people, right? So I brought in rock stars I was friends with. I brought in a couple of comics I knew. And there's this comedian, Craig Gass, who if you're a, um, a fan of Howard Stern and you're a little older, you might remember he would do like the Gene Simmons voice and the uh, Adam Sandler voice. And he would do a ton of voices for, um, for Howard Stern back in the day before Serious XM. And... He said to me, we were at a, a concert with Poison and I think Cinderella. And it was afterwards, we're all hanging out backstage. He goes, hey, let's go see a comedy show in the city. We're all together. Let's go grab a couple of drinks at a, a, the cellar. So we all went to the cellar, which is a comedy club in New York. And Big J was not only on stage, but he recognized Fred Curry, who's the drummer. I think he had sin past, maybe. I hate to say if I'm wrong, but Fred Curry was the drummer of Cinderella. And he goes, oh, shit, Fred Curry, Cinderella what's up, man? And like the fact that he noticed him, I was like, oh shit, I should have that guy. Cause he's funny. And he knows 80s rock. Cause my old radio shows, all 80s rock. I should have him co-host the SDR one, SDR show, sorry, the tour bus one night. So he comes in and we do it. We get along. It's fun. And for the next couple of years, our relationship was he wanted tickets to a concert or I wanted to go see a comedy show. We would text each other here and there. Then I was hosting this thing called Ship Rocks, which I did for about 11 years. And in the second or third year, they were going full boat instead of half a boat. And they asked me, do you know any like cool rock and roll comedians that you think would go over well on the boat? I was like, oh, I got a perfect fucking guy. And I told them, Big Jay Okerson. Jay did it. They ended up putting us both to host a bunch of dumb events together. And so we just made each other laugh the whole time. And he says, you know, I've been doing this podcast called Legion of Skanks for a few years. Maybe you and I should do a podcast. And I had the shittiest answer ever, which was, I mean, keep in mind, this is eight, nine years ago. I said, hey, you know, podcasting is for people that can't do radio. No offense, but I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing radio. You know, I'm on a fucking hundred stations right now. I appreciate it. 
but I don't see myself needing to do that right now. But thank you. That take doesn't age well. <laughs> yeah, of course, a hundred percent. And then the next year, we both are on the boat again. And throughout the course of that year, I started hearing all about how podcasting is changing everything and how they're making money and blah, blah, blah. So next year I said, dude, if you still are down to do that, I would definitely do the podcast. So how we did it the first six months or eight months was I was taping an interview with somebody from my radio show. And I'd be like, dude, just hang out and we'll do a, a podcast together also. And Jay would just come over and we would do the podcast after I did the radio interview. And we taped about 15 episodes. And I remember it was the singer of a band called Living Color, a big rock band from the 80s, who I'm still pretty friendly with. He calls me, he goes, dude, what happened to that interview that I did like three months ago with your podcast? Because I didn't know how to release a podcast. This is, you know, eight, nine years, eight, nine years ago, there was no easy way to do it. You had to come up, you had to create an RSS feed. You had to do everything manually. I just had 15 episodes sitting on a hard drive. I never released any of it. So mm -hmm. when he called me, I'm like, yeah, I probably should figure out how, how to put this out. So then I spent a couple of weeks, you know, figuring out how to build a website, how to build an RSS feed. You don't have to do any of that shit anymore. But back then I did. And then released the first like eight episodes at one shot. And that's how we started the show. And then through going to see Jay doing stand up, I met Lewis and then Dave. And I was a guest on Legion a couple of times in the early days. Uh, I was like a judge or they had a dance contest or something. I don't remember. And I just became friendly with them. And Lewis, there is nobody better than Lewis in terms of promoter, salesman, go-getter, dude. I don't, I, I can guarantee you right now, wherever he is, if he's not podcasting, he's streaming on Instagram or streaming on Discord or tweeting about something, he is 100% living and breathing, promoting himself and social media. Nobody better. Nobody better. I hate it. I hate doing it. And that's <laughs> yeah. part of the reason why we work so well together. Also part of the reason why he has, I don't know, 100,000 uh, Instagram followers and I have 15,000 because I fucking hate doing it. I hate it. Anyway, there, there again is your long-winded answer. Yeah, well, I, I, I have the same, uh, and, and I don't mean this offensively because I'm identifying with it. I have the same old man thing where it's like, I don't like to do the social media or the, I don't even know if it's an old man thing. It's like, I, I don't like, the I just don't want to do it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Like I actually now, which sounds so goofy, but I try to take pictures and videos and then it goes to some cloud drive and I pay somebody a couple hundred bucks a week to just put it up. Like, I don't want to fucking look up hashtags or make sure everything's spelled right or whatever, tagging <laughs> the right people. I don't give a shit. So just do it. That's, uh, that, that's why, uh, my daughter, she, she's 12, 12 now mm. should have known that faster. Uh, yeah. but she keeps talking about, Oh, in high school, I'm going to get a job at Publix or this, that I'm like, Nah, when you're 16, I'll just pay you to run my social media. Yeah, so I don't go, have yeah. to ever touch that stuff. That's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. you know, yeah, that's that's a good reason to have kids, right? <laughs> well, yeah, that and someone to take care of you when you're old. old. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm uh, I'm divorced, so yeah, the kids are kind of on the hook for that. <laughs> yeah, I would. I've already told two of my friends who are a lot younger because I have no kids. I was never married, no kids. That look, uh, I will make sure that you are the person in my will. Just make sure you take care of me and don't fuck me over when I'm too old to take care of myself. Because, I mean, I'm 52 at this point. The chances of me getting married and having kids are, are very minimal. Yeah, well, 
Yeah, yeah. Well, at this point, having kids yeah. might be like, eh. yeah, it's kind of fucked but, up too. By the time I die, day. they're going to be children anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, you don't see. Here's the thing: you don't drink a lot, and you only do right. drugs on occasion. What's what's the uh, do you the five drugs? I think you said five drugs. Yeah, right? it was edibles, mushrooms, Molly. Mm-hmm. Ended up not being Molly. It was actually crystal meth when we were up for three days. Oh my God. Horrible. Then Molly and then uh, cocaine. Those are the five. Right now, we have about three or four rock stars that want to come in and do the next drug with us. And we've been talking. I, TJ Miller's comic uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, wants to do it also um, uh, with it, which I've never done. You know, the, the breathing things. Yeah. Know, I've yeah. never done those either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's. Yeah. You won't die, probably. Yeah, you won't die. But I mean, it only. Also, most of the drugs for me, the problem is, which it's funny, what I don't like about these drugs is what people love about these drugs is they last eight, nine hours. I don't want something. I want it to be over in five minutes, you know? So that's why I like the idea of a whip it versus, you know, they're saying, oh, we should do GHB or we should do this or we should do ketamine or whatever, Oof. or, or, or uh, what's the other one? Uh, acid, you know, but it all lasts for fucking hours. I just, I don't want to do that. I want it to be over. Yeah, well, uh, invite Ari on. He'll just dose you with something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. From 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 what I've heard, uh, yeah, no, the, uh, the those are powerful drugs to be doing a podcast on. Although, I, yeah. the edibles, like generally, I would think you'd have to be podcasting for like six hours. <laughs> well, no, we I we took it all like beforehand, you know, like oh, you okay. say, to try and time it out where it kicks in. You know, that's the idea we did with, with that, but. With mushrooms, I passed out. There's a video of me passing out. You know, like the uh, the only reason why my head didn't hit the the table was because the microphone was there. You know, so it stopped my head. Um, the um, mushrooms, I was drooling the whole time, and just drool was coming out of my mouth. Uh, the crystal meth, I was up for fucking three days, and I don't know if it was Jesus. pure crystal meth, but it was apparently Molly. Very often, it's cut with with meth. So wow. it was it was something that I didn't sleep for three days. And then the real Molly, we bought a drug testing kit and made sure it was real Molly. And then the cocaine. I mean, I just also, I fucking hated every one of them. None of them I would ever do again. I still have all of it to the cops listening. It's all still some of it in my house. You know what I mean? Like I, I just did once and it's just sitting here. I'm, I have no desire to do it again. Well, if I'm ever in town, I'll, I'll yeah. bump maybe some, uh, some of the residuals. You know, like I just, <laughs> I fucked up my back really bad. And I had it for the first time in my life, I took Valium. And I have like 10 of them. I took it two days or three days in a row to sleep, but I just felt like, oh, my brain is not working right. So I stopped taking it. So now I say I'm keeping it for either long flights or for girls that say no. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, no, you know, I've never been into, uh, I had back surgery at 25. So I was prescribed, you know, whatever pain, you know, prescription mm-hmm. pain meds out the ass and uh they constipate you quite a bit so i i that's when i decided my painkiller would be this for the rest of my life yeah yeah don't don't swallow pills do do healthy (laughs) things like drink copious amounts of alcohol that's uh (laughs) um now you were again correct me if i'm wrong but i've i've heard you were a strip club dj presumably in new york right 
for a very long time. Yeah. I, uh, I live in Florida, so strip club capital of the world. I'm where Tampa? I, I, no. Tampa is the strip club capital per capita. I, is that where you are? Uh well, St. Pete, which is Okay, yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's funny, it was for a while. I never worked at a strip club in, in, in uh Tampa St. Pete, but what is his name? God damn it, the big morning show guy. Mike Calta or Bubba? No, Bubba the Love Sponge, right? Yep. So my old radio co-host was on that network on that channel wherever uh rock station he was on at the time and when we i finally like was going through new co-hosts and stuff every weekend for like four months i flew out to tampa because we could use her studios and we taped uh tour bus we came friendly with him went to a couple strip clubs out there obviously but then i built my studio in home but i was in tampa st pete for like every every weekend for I think like six months flying back and forth. But in New York City, I was running rock clubs in 90, 91, right? And then rock really died around 91, 92, right? When Nirvana and Pearl Jam, it changed the vibe of the rock club. It wasn't, you know, let's get drunk and get laid. It's let's do, do heroin and be miserable. And it changed the vibe of rock clubs. So all of them started closing. But at the time in the in 89, 90, early 91, all the strippers within a 50 mile radius would come to the club that I was a DJ at called the limelight because it was the epicenter for rock and roll in New York city. And so I became friendly with a bunch of strippers. And then when the rock night stopped for me, the manager, there was like, dude, you already know every stripper here. So why don't you just come here and start working as a, as a DJ. And that's how I started at a, a place called scores in, in New York city. Uh, and I did that. And then a couple of other clubs, but I did it for 12 fucking years. I was a strip club DJ from, 30 sorry from 22 to 34 mm. i was a strip club dj uh either part-time or full-time back and forth i always kept at least one or two nights started the radio show when i was 29 so for those few years i was doing both and then there was a time which was nuts where i was doing the radio show the strip club and went to cooking school and ended up running a restaurant for a few years as well where i really didn't sleep for those few years but uh so i kept myself busy at that time but Yes, I had a lot of, I have a lot of crazy strip club stories for sure. That, that's a, without a doubt. That, see, that story you just told, the whole time I'm thinking, wait, everything he's saying says this guy does a lot of cocaine. Yeah, and I did nothing. <laughs> dude, dude, which is crazy to think about. I mean, granted, I was 29 or 30, whatever the fuck, the fuck it was. And I would work, I was working the midnight to 6 a.m. shift in the radio station because I just wanted to be on radio. And then I would drive two hours because it was in bumfuck Jersey to Manhattan to start my shift at the, um, at the restaurant at nine in the morning and then be there till five in the evening. So I would basically be up for like 30 hours, 35 hours straight every other day, roughly, you Jesus. know, it was fucking horrible. It was horrible. But you know, if you really want to do something, you do what you got to do to fucking do it. And I, I couldn't do it now, but I had the energy then to do it. Yeah, well, and and it's kind of admirable because you you had different. Uh, I feel like you had different layers to it, right? You had the radio show, which you know you can say is turned into a podcasting career, mm -hmm. um, but also you were pursuing as either a backup or as a you know whether I want to do this the cooking stuff. Yeah, I mean that's. Anyway. It was more like, yeah, I was at the strip club and I, I sort of, for a time I was a BJ on VH1 and uh, mm -hmm. I was like a host of those dumb, like 
the 40 worst metal songs of all time. And you'd, you'd say, oh, this song, blah, 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 whatever. I was doing that shit for a while too. But um, I knew when um, I, met a, I met a guy at the strip club that was a radio guy and he was doing the strip club money to make money on the side. I had always wanted to do radio. So I told him, I'll teach you how to make money in the strip club. You just get me a, a meeting with somebody there. And that's how I started radio. And then once I knew that I wanted, I was doing the, working the restaurant at the time, but once I knew, okay, I want to do radio. I, I know the restaurant's not for me. I left a really good job with health benefits and free food, a free parking space, you know, all, and, and, and potentially even ownership one day to making $6 an hour, midnight to six in the morning, because I knew it's something I really wanted to do. And I said to myself, I'm 29. I have no kids. I'm not married. If I'm going to fail, now's the time to fail. So I went and tried to do it. That's how I started. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, I have two kids, but that's my, that's my thing too. I was 34. I'm like, well, yeah, if I don't young. do it now, I'm yeah. going to, when are you going to do it? And also, by the way, I know a lot of people that it didn't make a dime until they were 50. So mm -hmm. who gives a shit? There's no such thing as, oh, you're too old or whatever. You know, there's, my mom was a, a nightclub, um, like comedy variety show booker. So she booked a lot of comedians, like guys that became huge now, like Ray Romano and Chris Rock and all these other people. But one of them was Joy Behar, who now is on The View, obviously. She didn't start comedy until she was 50. Yeah. And now it's 25 years later, and she's, you know, on The View, a lover or hater. She made a fucking career starting at 50. You know, what's his name? Uh, Morgan Freeman also, 50. He started at 50. You know, so there's nothing, there's no such thing as it's too late. If you have a passion for something, just fucking do it. Yeah. Do it part-time, do it, whatever you got to do. Podcasting is an amazing thing because it costs nothing, you know, except your time. So just start it. If it's something you really want to do. And what I say all the time is if you hear that there's a million, I think there's somewhere between one and 10 million podcasts. Let's say, let's say 10 million, even though most of them are abandoned. And they're like, oh my God, I'm one of 10 million. How the fuck am I going to make uh, a name for myself? Oh yeah, there's 900 million Instagrammers. There's 2 billion YouTubers. Does that sound like it's a lot now? Probably not. And also if you get 10,000 listeners on a podcast, you can make some money. If you get 10,000 people watching your video on YouTube, you ain't making a penny. So yeah. if you're going to, if this is a passion, some sort of, public speaking thing podcasting is the best route to take in my opinion no i agree and it's the there's i mean as you said i guess youtube doesn't have a cost of entry either but i mean no. it's it's so easy it's not like back when you started where you had to figure out a way to uh put it on the internet it's almost i compare it to uh i first heard about bitcoin uh when i was watching john stossel on TV and it was $14 a Bitcoin. And I was a college mm. student and I'm like, I should go throw a thousand dollars into Bitcoin. And I went on and I could not figure out how to fucking buy a Bitcoin because it was so right. complicated. Now you download an app, you press yeah. a few buttons and you buy Bitcoin. Um, of course, you know, you missed out on the millions of mm. dollars you would have made <laughs> uh, by buying it at 14. Um, but podcasts are the same way. Nowadays, there's 70 different apps. You just yeah, download I mean, one. I, I know you could do it and get it up and running in 10 minutes. There's nothing to it. I remember when I started in radio, 99% of the people were doing reel-to-reel. -reel. 
you know, they, they were recording phone calls or recording bits on an actual reel, you know, like an old school. Mm. And you literally, I had to be taught how to splice tape and, you know, put things together that way. Like literally that's when the terms like, you know, cut it out. It comes from, cause you literally would cut it out of the tape, you know? And I was like, fuck, there's gotta be a better way. I was always been tech savvy. I've built my own computers and shit. So I just started looking and it wasn't called Adobe Audition at the time. It had a, a cool edit pro it was called before Adobe bought it. And I figured out how to use it. It was very archaic at the time, but within a weekend, I got 50, what they call sweepers, which is like when you, you know, you listen to radio and you're like, you hear from one song to another, like you're listening to W blah, blah, blah. And they play like a sound effect. They're like, Oh, he's great. Blah, blah. And it goes to the next song, right? Those are called sweepers. They sweep from one song to another. Hmm. I figured out how to make it in a uh, computer and burn it onto a CD, which these people had no idea. So I came to the show the next week with 50 custom sweepers that I created on a CD. And the whole office, there were like six radio stations in this cluster. They're like, how the fuck did you do that? What happened? Because you get stuck in your ways. You don't look for other ways to do things. And I had no preconceived notions of how to make these things. So I just said, there's got to be a way. Just like when we started the network, I wanted to do multi-camera editing, multi-camera live streaming. Again, this is now very easy, but we're talking six, seven years ago, maybe eight years ago for SDR. And I was like, there's got to be a way. And people were like, no, you got to buy a Black Magic and you got to buy a Telecaster and the cameras and this, it's going to cost you $50,000. I'm like, there's no fucking way it's going to cost me $50,000. I found this plug-in card for a PC that only was available in China. It came with only Chinese instructions. I used Google Image Translate to figure out what the links were to download the drivers. And it was a $500 card that could handle four um, HDMI uh, cables or SDI cables, right? So then all of a sudden for $500, I had a multi-camera switch in my computer. Jesus. So fuck your 50,000, I did it for 500. You know, like, so we just, it was a matter of don't do it just because you were taught one way doesn't mean that's the only way to do it. Yeah, I I think that uh, that actually works in a lot of avenues yeah, in life. Yeah. I mean, really, that's I I was uh, weirdly reminded when I was in when I was in college. I worked for the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, the baseball team down here, and uh, I I remember one. My dad was tech savvy and mm -hmm. probably breaking some laws, so I probably shouldn't put this on, but. You know, we've talked about drugs already, so who cares? Probably right? statute of limitations might be gone by now anyway. So. That's true. This was probably like 06. Unless he murdered somebody, it's probably fine. Oh, should we not talk about my dad murdered? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I, I remember in spring training, uh, I was I was going through the clubhouse. I was asking people what they, uh, pitchers, what they wanted, starting pitchers, what music they wanted to play. And uh, Edwin Jackson gave me a song and... He's like, it, the, the, the radio guy's like, I can't play it because I can't get a clean version of it. My dad found a clean version of it on a CD, mm -hmm. popped it in. So I, I still remember, I was like, oh, this is my most honored moment. Scott Casimir got named to an all-star team. He comes in to the clubhouse. He's like, you, I'm looking for you. Come here. He's like, listen to this song. I need a clean version of this. I want this to be my new song. I got on the phone with my dad. I'm like... Can you find a clean version? I don't remember the song. My dad, the next day, shows up at Tropicana Field with a CD. Like, this goes to Jeff Macalino. Uh, and, and I give it to the music guy. And I'm like, yes, 
Yeah. I don't know how he did it. Probably illegal, but (laughs) yeah, that was a big thing back in the day was finding radio edits was a big problem. You know, like there's a song by Buck Cherry called crazy bitch. Mm -hmm. And we, I loved, I was given an advance of the the album (laughs) and I loved it. So I made my own radio edit. I I bleeped out the fuck and the other curses so we could play it on the radio because they thought it was a great song. So that's how we started playing it. I used to, we used to make our own radio edits. Yeah. I, which I've said a million times. So again, I apologize. But when I was uh, 15, I was wanted by the FBI for computer hacking. They came to my house. It was crazy. So I could relate to your father. Like I definitely have had uh, tech issues that would be skirting legalities for the sake of better words. <laughs> hey, you know, it's, it's kind of like an art form. Yeah, for sure. Right. I mean, <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it's like war games. This is no harm, no foul. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, weird segue, no, no segue at all, because, you know, I don't, no worries. W- why segue? I, it just popped into my head. I, you seem like a guy who either likes Marvel movies or makes fun of people who likes Marvel movies. Well, I mean, um, it is, that's 80, 80% of the world is on either side of that coin, right? I would imagine. That's, that's true. <laughs> uh, but the latest Thor movie, someone's like, what did you think? I'm like, eh, it was okay. The music was awesome. The music was incredible. I actually loved it. Did you it. watch it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I started opening day. I've seen every... I was a comic book collector as a kid. And, oh. <laughs> uh, I, you know, Marvel exclusively. You know, so I'm the one who gets, like, all the stupid Easter eggs and inside jokes because I read all those things when I was a kid. But I loved it. I don't know why you would say you just kind of liked that. I thought I, they nailed what you want in a Thor movie. It was fun, silly, action-packed, no, like, heaviness to it. was very funny. It. Yeah. It was funny. You know, I... Know a lot of uh, people got upset because uh, there's a little too much uh, wokeness in the fact that, uh, and I'm spoiler alert here to everybody, but they really lean into Tess uh, Valkyrie chick being lesbian, and then it ends up that Korg is gay, I think, right? Because they show him with, uh, yeah, because they're all men, uh, yeah, they're only, so people get upset about that, unfortunately, because we live in a world where God forbid there's change and freak out. But to me, it was everything I wanted in a Thor movie, it was just fun, silliness, action packed comedy uh he looked ridiculously good you know when he you know um russell crowe as zeus was fucking hilarious you know uh that accent was something it was hilarious (laughs) it was so bad that it was great you know was he going for that you think i think so i think he was going for i think he was going for ridiculous yeah i think he was going for ridiculous and so to me i left that theater like i hated uh dr strange the last dr strange i thought was abysmal um hated it Spider- the, the last spider-man i enjoyed it by default why they serviced marvel fans they shoved everybody service, in yep. it and but am i going back to watch that no i will not go back to watch that i will go back to watch thor for sure because it was just fucking fun it was fun that's what we- i want in a movie you know, the only problem I had, and, and super spoiler alert, listener, fast forward like two minutes in the podcast if you mm-hmm. haven't seen Thor. This is like, this is not airing for like two weeks. So if they haven't seen it by then, I think they mm-hmm. deserve it anyways. But uh, my biggest issue with it was when uh, Gore got Stormbreaker. Mm-hmm. And then they spent so much time uh, on Earth dealing with her cancer stuff. Seemed like there was should have been more urgency. And that's a stupid thing. Saying it out loud, I'm like, that's kind of st- a stupid critique. But that was the thing Wait. that stuck with me. Like, why are you spending so much time on Earth when he just got the the, the 
the thing that you need to stop them from getting. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess because above all else, it was a rom-com, you know, yeah. it was a romantic comedy. So the relationship was probably the, 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 the most important through line in that script, if you want to be analytical. You know? Yeah, no, it, it, saying it out loud, I'm like, yeah, that seems like a stupid critique. Yeah, and I thought he was great. You know, he, uh, Christian Bale was great, you know, yeah. where I just, I mean, I can't say anything negative about it. It was just enjoyable. I mean, nothing's going to be as good as Ragnarok. To me, Ragnarok was the holy grail. Yeah. Then Infinity War, I did not like Endgame. But uh, so Ragnarok, Infinity War, Civil War was great. But this is up there top four for sure for me. I, I think it's, I think it probably is. Yeah. Endgame was just fan service out the ass. Yeah. It was stupid. It and was, it also made the, I did, there's a show that I, I, I guessed it on where they take a beloved movie and your job, if you didn't like it, is to explain why. So I went and said, I will tell you why fucking Endgame sucks. Right. And they both loved Endgame. And at the end of the, sh of the podcast, um, they said they never did this before, but they both lowered their ratings of the movie. Because I so emphatically explained why it stunk that they said, oh, you know what? You're right. We're going to, they dropped their rating by about 20% because I showed you why there's so many problems with that fucking movie. Yeah, no. And I, I also agree with you. I think Ragnarok was probably my favorite one yeah. and credit infinity war. That's the one that actually made me start watching Marvel movies. Uh, I went infinity to war the theater. I'd never, I had seen Iron Man one and two and the incredible mm -hmm. Hulk. No other Marvel movies. I was drunk. I went to the theater with my siblings to watch Infinity War. And I'm like, all right, well, now I need to watch all of the movies. <laughs> What's funny is that Ragnarok, I was telling people, like, even like my mom, who doesn't know shit about Marvel, I was like, as a standalone movie, knowing nothing, you will enjoy this movie. And she loved it. Doctor Strange, uh, whatever, Multitude of Madness, whatever the fuck it was called, if you didn't watch WandaVision, the TV yeah. show, if you didn't watch The Last Doctor Strange, and if you didn't have like at least uh, five hours of knowledge in your brain, the movie made absolutely no fucking sense, number one. And number two, because it's all magic, you're, I mean, this is for the video listeners, video people only. It's just people doing this. Yeah. There's nothing else going on. You know, we're just looking, they're struggling like this, and it's not fun to watch that. You take the special effects out, they're like idiots. At least in Thor, they're fighting. They're doing things. It's fun. They're jumping around. It's all just this, and it's just stupid. I, I, you know what's fun? So I'm, I'm uh, in my first uh, feature film that starts filming next month. Wow. I got, a, I got a lead role. And while I watched Doctor Strange, because now I'm an actor, mm -hmm. I'm just like, how weird must it be to just be twisting your hands? Like, yeah, so stupid. Weird hand movements. Just I hated it so that much. Has and to also, be so weird. <laughs> the best thing about that character was his snarky confidence. Mm -hmm. And he didn't have it in the whole movie. He's a frail child. You know, he had lost all of his cool. And I mean, I could understand if it was like a slow degradation of it because he was unsure of himself, but pretty much immediately he is mm -hmm. in this submissive role where he lost what was charming about him and really never gained it back throughout the whole movie. And the stupid graphics of the third eye and Sam Raimi put a little too much of the horror nonsense in a couple of too many cliches, like the girl with the jumping powers gets it just when she needs it the most. And, you know, all these like stupid one-liners that felt like they've been in a thousand movies. Oh, I hated it.
the the reason i did not like spider-man 2 and 3 which i think were both sam raimi films mm-hmm. and the old Sp- toby mcguire spider-man that's that's what he brought to doctor strange i thought yeah yeah, yeah. i just, just wasn't <laughs> didn't like it didn't like it i really hated it sorry no no i i was super disappointed yeah like, also, i can't wait for go ahead i'm sorry well they, they gave away too much uh, in the marketing of that movie, yeah, where you knew uh, pr- uh, Professor, Professor X was going to be and, in and it. And that whole tribunal, I forget what they're called, but the, the Illuminati. Illuminati. Yeah. It's so stupid. And they're also supposed to be so powerful and they all die immediately. Oh, they're just fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah. I really hated it. But I like, I'm enthusiastically excited for when Thor comes out, uh, you know, at home so I could rewatch that movie uh, again. That's like that. I definitely will watch that again. See, I'm lucky. I took my son to see it on Sunday, and my daughter's at a two-week Bible camp, basically, for lack of a better word. So Mm -hmm. when she comes back, I get to go see it again in the theaters. I mean, it was just it was just fun. That's right. By the way, that's the the other thing is like that's why I hate DC movies. I left. I leave feeling drained. I'm Mm -hmm. going to a fucking superhero movie. I want to have fun. If I want to see a dire dour sad movie i'll go watch fucking steel magnolias i don't need to go see this you know i just i want to have fun when i go see a a superhero movie i'm so glad you said that because people shit on me for not liking i like some dc movies but like not me i think wonder woman one was passable yes that was the best by default it was the best dc movie but all the others stunk i don't like the best way to explain it, like if I look and like I still have cable TV, right? But why not? I still have cable TV. If I see Infinity War is on or Ragnarok is on, or even like some of the lesser known, I will stop and watch for a few minutes. If I see fucking Justice League is on, I can't switch the channel fast enough. Yeah. No, I, I it's and I wonder if Wonder Woman was just because Gal Gadot. Gadot. She's so gorgeous too. Yeah. Yeah, but, that's on my. But it didn't I, hold I, up in eighty four, nineteen eighty four. You couldn't make nah, me to watch that shit show again. I, I turned that off pretty early i think after she raped a dude oh, uh, was, that was my favorite part yeah well I, I don't mine remember. too that's why i climax you couldn't get your climax and fall asleep yeah, yeah. <laughs> no but I, like i'm like joker it's okay but it it's fine like, it's fine it's, it's a guy with also mental illness super- who dances half the fucking movie <laughs> but i don't even put that in the superhero movie world because it's really not you know that's like an anti-hero movie there is no superpowers in that movie at all you know i don't look at that i would not even consider i don't even think of 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 that when if i was if someone someone told me to make a list of every superhero movie i don't even think i'd consider putting joker on that list i don't think i would well you know you're right there is no superhero in the movie there's just a mentally unstable freak yeah Yeah. (laughs) And I'm mentally unstable, so I can say that uh, for the for the for the woke crowd. Uh, <laughs> I I got in trouble because I I used the R word on a Ralph? on a podcast. The word Ralph. Use the word Ralph. Yeah, I said Ralph too many times on a podcast, and I was referring to my son, which was probably not the best. <laughs> right. It is weird though because now. I just say like idiot or stupid or whatever. It just doesn't seem any better. I don't know. No, my, it, my, my favorite word of all time was uh, the the gay, the word to describe gay that started with an F that you cannot say anymore. Yeah, and I just like it because it not to describe gay people, but it has a hard T. 
it's a fun word to say, you know, even maggot maggot is fun to, but the, the F sound of the, it just, it's a fun word yeah. to say. All right. And I, I get why we can't say it anymore, but I, the other flip side of that is words can have more than one meaning. And I've never once used that word to describe a homosexual, you know? No. So to me, I don't want to get into that whole world now because this is a whole other <laughs> thing, but I'm, that's a word that I legit, like, I never really said the N word, so I don't miss the N word. I don't really, I never said the R word a lot, so I don't miss that, but I miss saying the F word because it was just a funny, fun word to say. Well, it's, uh, I remember listening to Sam Morell. Um, I know Sam. Yeah. Good guy. Yeah. He was talking about, uh, just comedic words mm-hmm. and he's like names in your jokes. Karen was perfect because it had the heart. That's the same, same thing. Yeah. It's a fun word because it's got the hard consonants yeah. in it. Jay, Jay talks a lot about that, not just word economy, but certain constants and consonants and vowels will hit you tell the same joke, but you take out a person's name or a different synonym and the joke will work better. There was a great line in um, the comedian, a, a writer, I can't think of his name, he's an SNL writer. I've read his book. He's been on my show. Whatever his name, I can't think of his name. I apologize. But in his book, he said that I forget Richard Belzer agonized for years over what was the funniest number. Like what number, if you say, oh, I've been to this 45 times is 73 times funnier than 45 times. You know, so like he actually would tell the same joke oh, over and God. over again and change that word, that number to see which one would, would trigger better. And that's what it, I'm not a comedian, but that is what a lot of comics do to try and figure out why does it hit better or just stressing a certain syllable or you know, taking a half pause. But that that minutia could really make the issue whether something's funny or not. So, the, you know, long story short, I, I lament that I can't say that word anymore. It is, it's upsetting because I do miss it. No. And and in speaking of comedy, one of the things that because uh, I dabble in stand up, it's it's uh, something that was encouraged when I reached out to comedians because I was trying to write mm-hmm. uh, dark comedy. And I'm like, eh, it's all dark, no comedy. Uh, but it, it's one of those things where, uh, yeah, it's the timing and even the, the pauses. I still remember I'm so pissed. I recorded one of my stand-up sets, uh, just audio only. And I made the punchline and it is it's a rough one, uh, but funny, but it's, it's rough. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was, but I, the, the, the laughter was delayed like two seconds. And mm-hmm. I know it's because something I did with my right. face. Uh, oh, oh it was a, it was a, it's kind of a terrible joke in hindsight, but I, I was talking about what an alcoholic I was. And I said, I consider myself to be loquacious on my ninth drink. And I'm like, by the way, loquacious, for those of you who don't know, that's an adjective. It's not the latest victim of a police shooting. And the initial reaction to that is, ooh, right. And then it's like, oh, no, it's not racist. That was a kind of a kind of both, kind of a foot in both camps. But yeah, it was the pause to let them think if I just rushed into the next joke, it would have just been dead. Right. I just, right, right. I gave them two seconds and the laughter came out mainly from the black people in the crowd, by the way. 
<laughs> which is well, what I was also, going for. <laughs> the the and not I feel like we last ten minutes have been all on woke culture, but I would say I never once have seen someone get offended that was the person that was the topic of the thing to be offended by. Yeah. You know, like there's a great line by um forget the comic uh if, ah, shit, I forget his name, but he said, you know, he made a, a Twitter joke about when there was that uh the bombing in the Boston Marathon. He made a joke about it and everyone was like, oh my God, that's so offensive. Oh, uh, Jeselnik, Anthony, I Anthony think. Anthony Jeselnik. Yeah. And he said, uh, you know, who's not checking Twitter when uh, the, the people and those, so why, you know, they are not going to get upset about that. You know, so that's, you know, uh, generally the, the truth about most of it. Nobody, very rarely does a black person get mad at a black joke or, or a gay person get mad at a gay joke if they're comfortable in their own skin. It's somebody else, usually a white woman that's getting <laughs> mad for them. That's uh, yeah, that's a, that's a new pandemic. It's white, yeah. white liberal guilt. I yeah. got, a, yeah. I got rich parents and, and now I need to repay society for it. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a, uh, yeah. Well, we'll switch from woke culture. Uh, <laughs> and also by the way to put a button on it as big j and a lot of other comments always say it's more about context you know if you're yeah. not coming from a place of anger who cares my best friend in the world since i'm nine is black and if, if you ever saw our text messages back and forth to each other we would both get canceled like you know tomorrow and get strung up and murdered for what we say to each other but we love each other he's my best friend in the world you know we just say dumb shit to each other yeah, well, that's, you know, and, and, and I, I'll say this, too, is because I use retarded. Ooh, mm -hmm. I said it. Uh, I use that word uh, not all the time. And, and frankly, I've got a daughter who's on the autism spectrum, not mm -hmm. like deep into it, but not that that's a card that I can play. Right. I also <laughs> hate the whole thing. I hate that. I hate that. Well. You know, I'm a quarter black, so I can make black jokes. No, yeah. that's just stupid or whatever. I just well, 23 of me says I'm nine percent, so <laughs> <laughs> so I can make. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, yeah, no. So I, that's not an excuse, but it's like I'll use the word, and my kids will never say the word. They they right. know somehow, not from me, that it's a, a word that they can't say. I'm like, look, right. this was a thing I said for 15 years from age seven to age 22 right constantly i'm not gonna forget to you know it's the same well, way it is, a, it is like 80 year old who uses you know negro or something right. my grandfather always said colored and i would have to correct yeah. him on it you know and what i the, the flip side of my argument that i would say is that you do need to look to the youth at times to see what you know maybe we are being out of touch maybe i am being antiquated but I do think it's gotten a little too much, but then I look at, well, maybe I, you know, if you go back, if I, if I was 12 now, 15 now, and, and having that conversation with somebody, maybe I'm the idiot. I don't know. There's no way to know for sure. It's also with the old adage of, you know, the thing about social media is everybody gets a voice. And then the thing that you realize is, oh, most people are stupid. They, everybody shouldn't <laughs> have a voice, you know? And I, I, that's my, my answer to everything. We live in a world where people who play doctors on TV are constantly asked medical advice. Like we don't have smart people living among us. So I don't know the right answer. Although it's just like, I don't want to be the guy to figure out what to do with trans athletes. I don't know the fucking answer. I don't want to have to figure that out. I'm glad I don't have to figure it out. 
So it's not me. I yeah, don't know. Not my job. <laughs> I just don't know the right answer. And I'm glad I don't have to figure it out. But if I, if, if one of the things is I don't say these certain words anymore, I may fuck up once in a while, but I'm certainly doing my best to not offend anybody. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that is, uh, that's a good ending point for the wolf stuff. Um, <laughs> by the way, speaking of, uh, can you, uh, yeah, I don't believe in libertarianism at all. Oh my God. So, so is Dave Smith, uh, going to, I love Dave. President? Dave's brilliant. <laughs> I, think, yeah, I don't know who knows, you know, I don't want to involve that, but I just once want to meet a, uh, middle-aged black woman who's a libertarian. It has never happened. It's always 30 something year old white dudes. Always. Uh, and we live in a world where you can't get fucking people to bring back their shopping cart to the designated area. You think people are going to do the right thing? People don't want to do the right thing. I think libertarianism in its general idea is flawed. And then also there was a city in the United States that tried to be libertarian and it failed miserably. After a year, they gave up. I, I, I think there's a... Uh... It's a fun idea to think about, but it's not realistic. If it was so great, there'd be one country somewhere that's libertarian. There isn't. Well, uh, to counterpoint, the, the other side of the aisle. Now, this is not actually a good argument for libertarianism, but there's never been a libertarian nation. Right. Now, I would argue, before I go into my point, I would argue that's because government breeds corruption and power and oh, you crave sure. power I agree with all that, so sure. so libertarian society could never work because people are i think you're right people who run the system even if you elected maybe not dave smith but even if you elected a libertarian leader they would become power hungry and want to control uh but there's been a lot of socialist countries and they've all gone fucking terribly <laughs> Well, I disagree. I would say that all of the Nordic countries that are social, what do they call that? Social capitalism, like that hybrid model that they yeah, have? Yeah, not socialist. Right, yeah. not socialist. Social capitalism. So, social capitalism. When they say the happiest places on earth, it's always Sweden, Norway, Sweden. Yeah. You know, the flip side of that argument is they're a homogenous society mm -hmm. where everybody has the same belief systems. So it's easier. And you go back five generations they're all related to each other so it's a little easier for everyone to get along there's not competing religions competing ideologies so i get why they do get along but again i just think that we need a governing body unfortunately they're all corrupted assholes because anybody that wants to be president shouldn't be president end of story right anybody yes. that, you know, <laughs> but, that, but that doesn't mean that libertarianism is the answer i just don't believe there's too many most people, I hate to say it, not most people, a good chunk of people are not good people. And yeah. so it just breeds far worse. Like, look at the pandemic as an example, like, or look at uh, Roe v. Wade. There's so many things you could argue that left to their own vices. Holy shit, what a shit show it would become. And it already is a shit show. It would become well, even worse. I, I, I would say the pandemic uh, from a Floridian we we had the same statistical numbers as California, but we were wide not per open. capita. Oh, I think we did. That's not true. Not true. Not true. Look it up. It's not true. We did not. I'm we we you. we also let's have agree. more elderly population. Let, let, let's just agree to disagree on that. But uh, I would say that uh, again, the problem with and this is another interesting fact: the problem with statistics 
and math in general mm -hmm. is you could bend any figures to prove your point. And you, the, the best example of this was funny. I was watching, um, so I'm not vegan, but I do believe we all need to eat more vegetables. I do believe that uh, the problem with humanity is we used to do 70-30 fruits and vegetables to meat, and now we're doing 70-30 meat to fruits and vegetables. And that's a big part of why there's so much problems health-wise in our culture, right? And we had the guy that did that, sound, that uh, TV show, sorry, the, the, the documentary Game Changers, all about veganism, which I don't really 100% believe in that either. But his, he was on Joe Rogan with a guy that was a big advocate of eating meat. They were on together to argue who was right. Mm. And the day that I had this epiphany that, wow, statistics mean fucking nothing, was they both looked at the same report as proof that their side was right. Because depending on how you want to extrapolate the data, I can tell you my story and it'll make sense. And you can say your story and it'll make sense. You know, yeah. so that is the problem with all statistics. And then you can craft it. Like, just like in this country, you want to talk about the average income. Sure. Are we saying average as in most common? Are we saying average as in, in the middle? And, and because you have a fucking Jeff Bezos and a homeless person, that middle is going to sound not so bad versus yeah. going by uh, the most common or whatever, you know, so anybody can bend statistics to tell whatever fucking story they want. That's really the, the no, no, I, yeah, I, I a hundred percent agree. And I've been making that argument since college, because I mentioned, I worked for the Rays. They used to be the devil Rays and they were a bottom feeder. And I had to come up with statistics for uh, pregame notes for the players and it'd be like in the last 15 day games uh, on the West Coast, he's hitting 320. He's a 215 hitter. Yeah, <laughs> but that's funny. but yeah. in the last 15 day games on the West Coast. Yeah. For me, with the whole thing <laughs> with the pandemic, because I'm sure there's going to be people that are going to fail that idiot, whatever, is that A, we never had anything like this in 100 years. So no one knew how to fucking deal with it, which I get. They made mistakes. We didn't know what the fuck we were doing. The second right. part of it is for me, Putting on a mask was not this. I got to put on a shirt. I can't walk down around the street with my dick out, you know. So to me, well, you can, putting, but you not can, for but you'll long. get arrested. You get arrested. <laughs> I was, I got into running during the pandemic, and in the beginning, they would not let you be even outside without a mask, which was probably idiotic. I understand, but I ran five miles with a mask on in the heat, you know. So it didn't prevent me. I looked at it as. I'd, maybe it works. Maybe it does. It's not a big enough deal for me to care to put this on for fucking when I go inside for 20. It doesn't matter to me why that became such a fucking triumphant way to exclaim what side of the aisle you're on made no sense to me. Because if it did work, we saved people's lives. If it didn't work, you had a little mask on for 10 minutes. Who gives a shit? That's the part I didn't understand. That's all I'm with that. So no, 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 anyway. no. I, yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with you on that at all. For, Florida masked, by the way, we just didn't, we just let people be outside. That yeah, was... no, I look, I think that, <laughs> of course, there was some crazy overreaching, but on the flip side of that argument, we don't know what the fuck we were dealing with, and we still don't, you know, no one knows the fuck really, they're saying now it's getting worse again with some new fucking variant. Do I think there's three dudes running the world that have figured this all out for their own benefit? And they've somehow figured to get uh, Israel and Turkey and 
and Russia and you know Saudi Arabia all to get along behind the scenes to make this happen. Well, Bill Gates is one of them. Right. Well, yeah. Of course, <laughs> right. And I said, like, even with that, let's say Bill Gates is putting microchips in the vaccine, right? So either let's say you're right, right? Let's say I'm right and it saves lives. And if you're right, the worst thing that's gonna happen is everywhere I go to dinner, Bill Gates is showing up to have dinner. Big fucking deal. What do I care? <laughs> If he pays, yeah, maybe he'll <laughs> it pay. seems like a benefit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. No, it, it's no, you're you're right, and it's uh, it's it just uh, especially became, about all of it became too political. It became too you're with me or you're against me, and there is no sensible argument. Just like now, the Roe v. Wade shit is wild. What's happening? And I don't know what's going to happen with like a woman just said she was in the uh, HOV lane, pregnant, and she said, "Well, if it's a kid, if it's alive." I can't get a ticket because that's two people in the car, right? Does the drinking age change now? Does it nine months younger than 21? I don't know. You know, all these weird questions that you have to ask yourself. Does, do you immediately get a tax deduction the moment you get pregnant for that year's dependencies in your taxes? I don't know. It's a kid. You know, is it, you're opening a crazy can of worms. I don't know. It's wild. I don't know what's going to happen. No, it's, uh, I would argue yes to the HOV lane. Uh, <laughs> You should be able to drink as soon as you can be drafted into the military, even though they don't agree with that. have a yeah. draft. But yeah. if you can be, go to the military at 18, you should be able to do every fucking thing in the world at 18. I agree with that. <laughs> that I, I love that. Uh, and, and not to get political, because, of course, I won't. But um, like the gun laws, like, ah, you, you have to be 21 to own a gun. It's like, yeah, but you can be 18 and you can get a gun and go kill brown people right. overseas. It makes no sense. So makes what, no sense. What, yeah. what the fuck is that? Yeah. You can go kill people there, but you can't have a, a handgun for your own. Right. Look, it personal protection no is mostly, I think, well, a, I mean, I a could, philosophical it, thing. It's the whole gun law thing is a whole other crazy thing. Yeah. Uh, statistics, again, which can be bent, but you look what mm -hmm. the first person in how many years got shot in Japan recently? Like, I don't know how many years that is. There's been like no when you look at mass shootings it's crazy how many more in the united states it's crazy but i don't know i fucking don't feel the need to own a gun personally i don't want i don't want there's enough crime in new york city i don't want a concealed fucking law to happen where it's just gonna mean more people carrying guns scares the shit out of me new york city's dangerous enough as it is yeah no i uh i i had a gun but i lost it at sea if oh, any boy. feds are listening fair enough well, we got very <laughs> political we talked about a lot of things that are going to anger people. I'm going to get Dude, hate we, mail we, galore. We've, we've gone all over the fucking map from Thor to guns to to abortion to to slurs we can't say. <laughs> uh, Ralph, I've kept you so long, and I apologize for that. I'm, uh, I'm about to interview uh, Sticks in a few minutes. You're too young band? to remember that band. The band Sticks. Yeah. Oh, I I fight with my dad and my younger brother because I like Sticks, and oh, I love Sticks. They hate them. And oh, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Why would There's anyone so many, hate them? How could you hate Come Sail Away? I mean, come on. I, they, they, I, I feel like they're, and I'm not comparing them, but they're like the Nickelback. Yeah, because they were so day. big. But Nickelback's not care. that bad. They're, yeah. they're not great, but but Sticks is, it was really yeah. good, in my opinion. My argument with people shitting on Nickelback, 10 million people bought that record. At one point, they really liked it. Now maybe it's overplayed and you're like, oh, it's cool to shit on Nickelback, but they're one of the few diamond-owning bands that has mm -hmm. 10 million 
copies sold. So They're go laughing fuck their way yourself. To the bank. Yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid because it became trendy to shit on them. You, we were all singing those fucking songs 20 years ago. So, Amen. and also, I got to interview them a couple times back in the day. They could not have been nicer. So, no, I've heard uh, uh, yeah. Chad, uh, one of the Krogers, the brother yeah. on uh, Doug Stanhope's podcast. So, now, Chad, I, I interviewed Chad twice. Could not have been fucking nicer, dude. They had the number one record in the world, and he was just a fucking cool dude. So, yeah, I don't, I don't shout out Nickelback. to Nickelback and Stitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 Ralph, uh, I think I've pretty much given the plugs and I'll put all the links in the show notes. But is there anywhere you want my listeners? Uh, to go follow you or yeah, find I just, you? Um, it's easy. I am Ralph Sutton everywhere. I believe in social symmetry. So at I am Ralph Sutton, my two podcasts, the SDR show and the Good Sugar podcast. One is just pure silliness and one is on somewhat health and wellness. Thankfully, they're both in the top 200 of their respective categories. So thank you to everyone that uh, supports and listens to those shows and check out gasdigitalnetwork.com. Amen. All right, Ralph, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Had a fun time, man. Thank you. Sorry for pissing everyone off with my views. I probably pissed as many people <laughs> off as you. <laughs> all right, that's it. That's all. Hope you had a ball. Please exit to your right uh no uh wipe out um all right well thank you ralph sutton for joining me uh that was a, a lot of fun talking to him it, it's very funny from little old me's perspective of uh the day i interviewed him uh the sdr show had stephen van zant on as a guest and at the end of our recording he tells me that uh he's about to go interview sticks uh so you know, again, I'm like, why did this guy agree to talk to me? But, uh, you know, I'm grateful that he did. I had a great time chatting with him uh, about, again, a really a plethora of topics. Um, I wanted to uh, give a shout out to uh, Women Want Everything. They did announce me as uh, playing the role of comedic Southerner Stewart in the movie. They they did uh, announce that this week, so now I can tell you about that. Um, yes, I'll be playing a character with a southern accent, so got some work to do there, but so honored and uh, thrilled to get this opportunity, uh, and uh, you know, you'll be hearing a lot more about it when the movie is uh, going to be coming out, which I don't know how the hell long... This is my first feature film, folks. I don't know if this takes three months to edit and all that stuff, or if it takes a year and a half. So just keep listening every week for updates. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> uh, or you can follow me on the social medias. That's uh, the Twitters, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, uh, TikToks, which I really have not held my promise up of trying to do a couple. Uh, the YouTube's a good place also, although I probably won't have breaking movie news there. Uh, but all those links are below as is all of, uh, Ralph Sutton's or at least whatever ones, uh, I'm supposed to use. We'll figure that out when I write the show notes. I do those sober. I do these drunk. Um, that's about all I've got to say. I did want to 
I, I'm not trying to make an argument after the fact. I did want to admit to that I miss, uh, I'd say I miss, uh, he was correct in the statistic, statistic about deaths per capita. I was kind of mixing in uh, the Johns Hopkins study about lockdowns and how they barely made any difference and how the economies and education systems of the places that didn't lock down hard are substantially better. I wasn't necessarily only looking at deaths, which was slightly higher in Florida than California. So he was correct in that statistic. But to his point, that's why the statistics are kind of bogus, because anyone can pull a statistic out of their ass uh, that, you know, makes their argument look better uh, when, you know, frankly, we're all going to just make a decision based on our own, I don't want to say uh, our own principles and our own personalities and our political leanings and all of that stuff. Uh, no statistic is going to convince you otherwise. Um, I think that's something that people maybe should sometimes look at, you know, both in the way of why try to convince someone your side when they're just not going to. And maybe sometimes you need to be a little more flexible in how you view things and willing and accepting of information that's outside of uh, your thought. Um, I will say I saw Thor again, and I actually enjoyed it slightly less because it was a smaller audience. And, uh, you know, if, if some nobody laughs, you're not you don't want to be the only person. So I don't know. Um, I want to watch it again, but I'm going to wait until it comes out on Disney+. Plus. All right. That's a lot. Um, thank you again for listening. Uh, I've got a fun one next week. It's my first one I've recorded outside of the infamous Jeff McAlino Studios in St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, and then I've got, uh, you know, after that, I've got a great one with uh, someone who is an actor in a HBO limited series that just came out. If you know which one I'm talking about, it was a good one based in Baltimore. Uh, so stay tuned for that the following week. Uh, and I've got another few great episodes that I've already recorded. Uh, they're coming at you. So just keep coming in every Monday, come in hot and enjoy it. And, uh, boom, it's over. Mm -hmm.